Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I've been really looking forward to our conversation today. We've discussed many dimensions of creating and implementing change. Our focus has been aligning with our best selves and having the life that we want. We ended our last conversation with inventing ourselves, reviewing how to sustain our plan. Yet we live in a world of infinite distractions, as you and I both know. So how do we navigate this reality? Well, you know, I, you are so right about this. You know, the world is incredibly distracting, you know, especially with the constant lure of technology, all the pings and the dings of the emails and Instagrams and Facebook and texts. You know, these present a, a real sense of urgency. You know, it's habit forming and it's difficult to restrain ourselves. And there's a new term that's arisen in the culture. It's, it's FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And it, it's interesting because this fear is really what triggers the compulsive tracking of every device that we have. You know, sometimes even before we're aware of the notification sounds or lights. So first, let's just step back and, and see how distractions work, or I should say, how they work us. Because distractions are any stimulus. You know, it can be a thing, it can be a thought, a, 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 an event, a feeling. Anything that draws us from a task that is really a primary interest for us, something that I'm, I'm working on in the moment. So I'm involved in doing something, something that I wanna do, maybe even, I, it could be something I really want to accomplish, might be at home or work or, or really engaging with a, a loved one. And there's an activity that is, or, or I should say our activity is interrupted or maybe delayed or left unaccomplished, unaccomplished because something, something is pulling me away. Something is really grabbing my attention and pulling it away. Yes, this is the story of my life, Doctor. Truly, <laughs> yeah, it is. Mine too. It happens several times a day. I'm involved in something that's that's important, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next thing I know, I'm headed in another direction. Well, and it happens to all of us, Anna. And and sometimes. You know, it's, it's a simple interruption, you know, and we can return very quickly to whatever our priority happens to be. You know, like I remember that a, a, you know, an important phone call in the middle of something, you know, and I need to make that call uh, because I promised to make it, but I can then return to that priority activity fairly quickly. You know, and, and distractions aren't necessarily our fault. However, the management of the distractions, that's what is truly our responsibility. And without awareness and without that ability to redirect ourselves, you know, distractions become habits and they then begin to interfere with um, the focus, the focus that's really necessary to do the important things that we want to do in life and also that create the life we want. Well, what are some of the common distractions? Well, I think the easiest distinction is really to think in terms of there are external triggers or external cues. And then there are also internal triggers and internal cues, you know, and, and we need to consider both since really all behaviors are prompted by, by either or both of these. Well, that's really, you know, it's pretty straightforward. So the external triggers would be those sounds and lights that our devices make when there's a notification 
That's right. or, or the TV or the text or the unexpected phone call <laughs> or, or a coworker when you're, you know, at the office stopping by to chat, that sort of thing. And of course, there's those email headers, you know, <laughs> we're familiar with all the time. So um, are those the triggers you're, 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 yes, you're talking yes, about? Those are, those are, that's exactly it, Anna. Those are the external triggers. And then the internal triggers or the internal cues would include, could be our thoughts, our feelings, any physical sensations that we have, you know, and think about it, you know, when we're, when we have any kind of pain or we feel restless or tension or even if there's a, a, a sense of anxiety, which is anxiety is really a cluster of physical sensations and also thoughts. But also there are internal cues like hunger and stress of, of all kinds. So anything that's that, that mental, emotional, physical experiences, anything that, that um, really calls our attention, pulls our attention away. And, and it's not always about being uncomfortable. You know, sometimes... You know, I can be distracted by good feelings as well. You know, maybe it's a memory that I've had or something that I'm thinking about that that that, that wonderful sense of, of happiness, you know, kind of comes up in my in my awareness. You know, so it's not always it's not always negative. Yeah, so well that's quite a laundry list. Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. Isn't it interesting though that many of the internal cues are uncomfortable? kind of like pain, you know, there's pain there, there's tension, sometimes there's hunger. Um, so the distraction likely has a purpose of some sort. Well, that's a really good observation, Anna. You know, as we've discussed in the past, you know, we're inherently wired to move away from discomfort. So this isn't always a bad thing. You know, I mean, we need to be aware of what the motive is behind the distraction and also what the cost is. You know, there can be costs to using distractions to avoid situations or people or, or events, you know, and, and the activity itself isn't bad or wrong. What we want to do is we want to investigate what's behind it. So it seems like it has a lot to do with when and how we use the distraction. Well, yes. And it's when the distraction interferes with us staying present in our lives or when it disrupts us facing important challenges or keeping our commitments, you know, either to ourselves or to others. And when we seek to avoid stress or anxiety by using distractions, you know, it gives it a sense of, it's kind of becomes kind of a compulsive quality to it. So we very often kind of go on that autopilot that we've talked about, you know, and in these situations, we might reach for something like food or social media, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be, to avoid the feelings, to avoid the stress of the discomfort. Well, yes, I can see we're reaching for something that provides relief could quickly become a habit. Well, yes, and for some people who struggle with trauma or shame or maybe complicated grief, uh, distractions may be a way to avoid really, you know, horrible feelings, you know, maybe a way to cope or, or manage the distress that they're experiencing. So giving distractions a blanket label of bad isn't realistic. You know, it requires each of us as individuals to really assess the distractions in our life and to personally determine, are they healthy or are they unhealthy? Well, this sounds very interesting. Can we, let's give it a try. Well, sure. And, and, and let's begin by naming some of our favorite distractions, you know, 
So I have to go in, and it's usually a very personal thing, looking at what are the distractions that take us away from the important tasks? What are the distractions that maybe take me away from commitments or important relationships? You know, things like compulsively scrolling social media or texts or interrupting mealtime, you know, dining out, you know, by looking at texts or checking emails, you know, or doing it during times when I need to be doing something else, you know, or reading emails that aren't pertinent to the task at hand. Now, I find a lot of people tell me about how they get drawn away during their workday because all of a sudden there's one email that they see and they start on that and they have lost their, their, you know, focus on what they need to do. So it's about, it's about moving away from the pertinent task at hand. And then we need to look at what drives the behavior. What's the root cause? So we're looking at how we're using the distraction compulsively. You know, I'm really turning toward myself and asking the questions, you know, what am I, what am I trying to escape from? You know, what is the discomfort that's going on that I feel like I can't, I can't stay in my attention and I can't stay focused on what's important? So what am, what am I trying to avoid? And what uncomfortable feelings maybe I'm trying to avoid could be boredom or loneliness or insecurity or uncertainty. You know, it's also about checking out the feelings and the thoughts behind the urge. And sometimes this is anxiety, can be worry, or sometimes I'm just really being judgmental or self-critical, you know, these kind of self-defeating thoughts. So it also can be very helpful to sense into the body, to really notice where is that restlessness, that tension? So I'm facing into what's happening to me. Might even want to do a body scan just to quiet things down so I can really tune into myself and say, you know, what's what's showing up here? So once again, we're not in, uh, resisting the urge to uh, distract ourselves, but turning toward the urge and investigating it. Well, that's right, Anna. And, and the research actually shows that resisting urges can sometimes backfire and sometimes create cravings, or sometimes we begin to ruminate about that thing that we're trying to resist. And this can really escalate any desire we have for that distraction. So we have to look at that, but yet on the other hand, if we give in, <laughs> you know, we might have that momentary relief of the tension, but we're creating really a, a considerably long-term bad habit if we continue to do it. And this is etched in our neural pathways. So a healthy process is to explore the, with the present moment awareness, you know, really what's going on in the moment. You know, we've talked about this since the beginning of our conversations. Really requires, when I turn to, toward myself, it really requires that I have to be in this moment. We're exploring our thoughts, and our feelings and our body sensations, the impulses that are arising. And we're doing this with a real sense of curiosity. You know, what's up with me? You know, so there's kindness and we have to be willing to do it again and again because we're making time to deliberately focus our attention on what's showing up, deepening our self-discovery and rewiring the brain by training it to focus on our awareness and our intentions. So we're discovering what we're doing, and, and why. Yes, and we're assessing the distraction as well, right? Well, that's right. You know, and the appropriateness of the distraction, you know, and our relationship to it as well. 
you know, it kind of falls into three categories, Anna. You know, it, it's really, it's about what I'm focused on and am I in control of what I'm focused on? You know, is it a conscious choice that I'm doing this? And then is it an appropriate time to be focused on this? Well, Dr. Jane, let's talk about how this plays out. Well, some basic scenarios include, again, this capacity to focus our attention, um, how much control we have of the distraction, and the appropriateness of the time of the distraction. So when I'm really very attentive, you know, I'm focused, I might be distracted all of a sudden, but I'm aware of it and I'm in control of it. And at that point in time, I get to determine whether it's an okay time or not. And I have the capacity because of my awareness and because I just determined whether or not it's appropriate, I can stay with it or I can shift away from the distraction. But there are some times that we're hijacked, you know, and I'm going about my business, you know, focused on something. I'm distracted by something else and I'm not in control of it. Sometimes I'm not aware of what's happening to me. My attention has been totally diverted. So it's taken away from us, you know, and, and the priority task is no longer available and it might not be an appropriate time. And this is where we go into our emails and all of a sudden an hour later, I'm going, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what time it was. So that's the hijack. But then there are also times when I can be just kind of what I call kind of spaced out you know, I'm not really focused and I don't feel like I'm in control of being able to attend to anything. And, and yet it's not a good time to be kind of aimlessly um, spacey. So this sometimes happens, you know, in particular situations like um, emotional overwhelm, or you and I have both talked about this with exhaustion or feeling really burned out. So we're just kind of aimless in, you know, how we're navigating these, these um, distractions. But then there's also daydreaming, which is we're not focused, I'm not in control, but you know what? It could be really okay. You know, sometimes we're not supposed to be attending to anything in particular. You know, the mind is just kind of wandering. It often happens when we're doing those mundane tasks like folding those washcloths or pulling those weeds, or I do it a lot when I'm on hold on the phone. You know, I call it free mental time. Yes, these are very helpful and very familiar to me. You know, what about other forms of avoiding? Well, there are, there's another variety of avoiding that I refer to as, as more in the category of self-sabotage. You know, this category includes things like procrastinating, perfectionism, um, that self-effacing behavior, which is that inner critic, or maybe self-medicating, you know, using food as, as a comfort food or stress eating drugs, alcohol, or sometimes there are some people who use what we call self-injury or cutting themselves as a way to, to avoid things that are going on with them. Um, this is just to name a few, you know, and, and we're not always aware of these self-sabotaging behaviors, you know, and, and often, even if we are aware of them, um, sometimes we're at a real loss as how to stop them, you know, what, what we really need to do to kind of cut it off. Yes, these have a, a very serious uh, ring to them. Well, yes, they can. They can be very serious. And, and there are multiple interventions for these. Okay, there are behavior therapies and cognitive therapy that can aid in helping individuals really disrupt the conditioned patterns of thoughts 
and actions. And motivational therapy, you know, works with people who um, uh, really want to reconnect with their goals and values. You know, but for our purposes, you know, we're not going to go into that severe extreme, you know, um, scenarios. You know, what I want to do is merely highlight some of the some of our favorite self-sabotaging behaviors, namely procrastination, perfectionism, and that self-effacing category, which is the self-critic, that real judgmental part of ourselves. You know, it's that I call it the the ruthless super ego. You know, and all three of these evoke anxiety and distress, and they derail our confidence. You know, the saboteurs behind the scenes may be that we find ourselves craving for food or alcohol. Some people, you know, um, are, uh, crave gambling. Or there might be just some more subtle kinds of conditioned behaviors that undermine our sense of self-worth and our self-value along the way. And sometimes this can be fairly routine for some of us, you know, believing we're not good enough. So why even bother with the task? Or can't do the task the way I want to, so, you know, I'm just going to let it go. Or I feel inadequate, so I drop the ball. You know, it's all too much and I feel overwhelmed, so I can't even go there. You know, so avoiding behavior um, is an effort really to move away from the discomfort and find some safety. So but to just, determine what, I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, but, but I was going to say, but, but you know, this is, it's difficult sometimes to even recognize what we're doing because sometimes the consequences don't show up immediately. Sometimes it's like I'm kind of looking back over my shoulder and say, oh, wow, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. This isn't working for me. Yeah, so, so to determine what's up, we plug in an awareness or mindfulness practice to tease out the autopilot game and see what's behind it. Is, is that right? Yes, and you know, Anna, it's always about keeping it simple because we want to be able to do it in the moment. You know, and, and it's as simple as what we've talked about in the past. You know, go to the breath. Now, this brings us back into that present moment awareness. You know, be with the breath. Track the breath. Just pull all of our attention to the breathing, the in-breath and the out-breath. We could also kind of move into that relaxation response, you know, using a word on the exhale. Clearly, when we're in the distraction, want to move out of it. It's about quieting the body and the mind so that I can begin to ask myself, What's here now? You know, what do I need to do? You know, what's going to help me in the long run? Kind of, what are my thoughts, my feelings, my body sensations? You know, what am I looking to avoid? And also track, you know, what are the conditions that are that are going on right now? You know, for me, am I tired? Am I bored? Anxious? Depressed? And what am I doing? What exactly am I doing to avoid this? You know, am I headed to the fridge again? You know, or am I losing myself in my social media? You know, and it's also about what are my priorities? You know, what are my commitments? What's really important? This anchors us into what are the important things? What are the things that really matter in this moment? So what you're saying is really diving into what's happening in this moment. So we're in the distraction. Yeah. I should say as we're in the distraction. As we're, as we're in the distraction. Absolutely. Yes, because we're we're really creating, you know, the open, non-judgmental space by operating from this present moment awareness and then and then dropping in that inquiry, that question, you know, what's up with me? So we might find that we need to take a break, you know, I might need to shift gears, 
and maybe take a walk to help myself recalibrate, regain my focus and attention, you know, because I want to get back to maintaining my awareness. Well, Dr. Jane, what else may we, might we consider? Well, it all boils down to we can minimize distractions. You know, we have to know our priorities, though. You know, we'd have to have a solid sense of what is my goal? You know, whether it's my family, my health, my friends, this project, and make time for what really matters. You know, this requires that we hold our life's meaning and purpose central to how we're planning and how we're scheduling. So I firmly believe that we always need to work with a plan so that we can do what we've talked about in the past, the three R's. We can continue to review it, replicate what's working, remediate what's not working, and do this on a regular basis. And I also think, Anna, that we need to live in routines, you know, and, and I'm not talking about rigid routines, but consistent routines, because without knowing really what to do with our time, everything can become a distraction. You know, we kind of, and we've all had days like this where we kind of float from one thing to the other. You know, it's also about create a daily and a weekly template for what we want to do and when. Some people call these time boxes. So we're really knowing what's important, when we're going to do it, and what we're going to do within that, within that box of time. And this includes checking our emails and texts and social media. And you know what? It's also important to slow down and to schedule that, you know, using quieting practices or walks in nature. This really helps us to recalibrate, you know, and, and even scheduling free time. You know, we need that. We need that flow in our lives. That's part of our creative process. And it's also about boundaries, you know, boundaries for ourselves and for others, you know, reducing the external triggers. You know, sometimes it's removing those apps that we're not using, you know, or checking out tools that maybe can help us eliminate some of the distractions, you know, like eliminate news feeds or even rearrange our, our visual clutter, you know? And, and it's all about cultivating awareness and mindfulness skills so that we can check out the external and external triggers, know when they're happening, you know? And it's always committing to a daily plan, you know? Having that continuous improvement that's really a priority, you know, playing to our best and highest selves, you know, playing to a power greater than ourselves if that's something that we're open to. And the bottom line to all of it is kind of wrapping it all in gratitude. Yes, gratitude, Dr. Jane. These all fit well into a, a daily routine, you know, I think for all of us. Um, lastly, are distractions ever beneficial for us? Well, isn't that an interesting question on it? Yes, yes. You know, when you think about it, some of the world's Greatest innovations, you know, were discovered by people who were looking at one thing and somehow something else showed up, something they weren't even looking for. So creative solutions often appear when we're least expecting them, you know, and daydreaming and letting our minds wander. I mean, it's been shown in, in research studies that this is psychologically restorative. So it's going to contribute to our creative energies, you know, and with this in mind, we want to consider making time for reflection, you know, being alone with our thoughts and our ideas and also spending some time, you know, dialoguing with others and engaging with others about ideas that show up for us and keeping track of new ideas, um, scheduling time to, to really be in healthy distractions and align ourselves with, with the, the, goals, but also align ourselves 
with, you know, new ideas that may contribute to these goals or help us revise the goals. Well, Dr. Jane, this is all such valuable information. I really, really uh, have appreciated this conversation. and I, I thank you for that. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.